Hi, this is Jeff Coburn. We welcome you to this Disney at Play podcast. Well, this July, this very month, marks the 10th anniversary that a 2.0 Disney California adventure was rededicated by Bob Iger. At the expense of some $1.1 billion, this was at that time the most comprehensive park redo ever attempted. Still, in the first year of reopening, park attendance went up some 23% and it became far more equal in terms of balancing out the number of guests visiting it and its sister park, Disneyland. Well, that's the happily ever after story. What we're going to look at is the 1.0 that came before, the part that got demolished when it became 2.0. We're going to look at the attractions, restaurants, and experiences that became extinct as a result of this major reinvestment. Imagine, imagine half of a particular Disney park going away and then suddenly being rebuilt as something else. We're going to look at those things that went away, particularly as it relates to the Golden Gateway and Sunshine Plaza, the Bountiful Family Farm, and the Paradise Pier. We'll look at all that went away and what ultimately came in its place 10 years ago and then subsequently later. Uh, make sure that you check out DisneyAtPlay.com and subscribe to it so you can be notified of upcoming podcasts when they come out. Uh, a couple of pieces of business before we get started. First off, um, make sure that you check out, I know it's been a few days since I've done my last podcast, my apologies for that. I am not consistent to a day and I know that's like rule number one in podcasts. So you have to forgive me for that, but uh, this is not necessarily, uh, anyway, what I need you to know is that on Thursday morning this week, we will have a major podcast and it will be an important, big podcast um, and it will come ahead of anybody else's podcast. So I just want you to say, just know, check it out come Thursday morning. We're very excited about that podcast. The second thing I wanted to talk about is uh, at the end of every podcast, I usually talk about the Wayfinder Society. It's our Patreon group and it's a chance to join up and experience, um, well, not only help support the show for as little as a dollar a month, but it also gives you access, depending on the tier, to very interactive tools that we have. I wanted to mention that an additional feature now in our Patreon group, again, the Wayfinder Society, think Moana, an additional feature that we have added is an exclusive series of podcasts. If you remember, there used to be a talk show that used to talk about all the other talk shows. Well, this is that kind of show. We're going to talk about all the other podcasts, all the other books, all the other movies, media, and things out there, and what other people are saying in social media about Disney, and reflect on that. And uh, our first podcast came out this week. If you want to check it out, you can join us a little for a dollar. In fact, we talked about one of the things, and just to give you a little sense, one of the things we talked about was uh, the Disney History Institute's podcast, um, of Walt Disney and It's a Small World, the uh, second uh, part of that series came out um, this week and he's done a terrific job on this little series. I talk at length about what works about it. Um, he notes a couple of stories in 2.0 um, or in his second part about how Walt had come back from a trip from the New York World's Fair, landed in 
and also had looked at some property down in Florida, landed in New Orleans when he heard about the death of, of um, John F. Kennedy. What the podcast talks about is how Jacqueline Kennedy actually came for the first time. This was really important because John F. Kennedy had kind of done the groundbreaking for the World's Fair. Jacqueline Kennedy actually came to the World's Fair and brought her children. It was very symbolic of her support of what that World's Fair was trying to do. The story that isn't told, and this is how our podcast a little differentiates. We don't just talk about what other podcasts say. We build and embellish on it. One of the little known stories about J Jacqueline uh, Kennedy's visit there is that her daughter, Carolyn, was so enamored by the dog, you know, the little guy in, um, in the Carousel of Progress, she thought it was real as a little girl. And she begged and begged and begged her mom that she could take that puppy home, that dog home. Well, obviously that didn't happen, but, um, but it's a little known story. It's a little part of that whole experience. And again, not only check out the Disney History Institute, check out our Patreon group and our po exclusive podcast there because again, we're going to offer some real important insights that you're not going to get anywhere else. All right, without further ado, let's talk. I've divided this podcast into three sections, Golden Gateway and Sunshine Plaza, Bountiful Family Farm, and then Paradise Pier and Bay. And what I wanted to do was talk about what the 1.0 version looked like before 2.0 came about. That's where I really want to spend time. And in the, and by the way, in the um, Disney at Work post, you'll see that we have a lot of early photos of what that original uh, look and felt like. The idea of the Golden Gateway was to provide this kind of postcard look as, as if you were entering into a postcard. Greetings from California. And in fact, California was spelled out in the plaza in great big letters, gigantic letters, and people, it was a, it was an Instagrammable moment before Instagram came along. People were taking pictures of themselves, especially if their first name matched a letter in California. And it was the front of this before you got to the gate. And then beyond it, you went through what was the Golden Gateway. And in fact, the Golden Gateway was the centerpiece of this, was there was a monorail beam that still goes through it today, but in the old days, it actually looked, well, was supposed to look like um, the Golden Gate Bridge. I can tell you this was the, this was the stupidest looking Golden Gate Bridge you ever saw. It was poorly done and it's emblematic. I mean, there were a lot of nice little individual pieces. I think they had like, I think I saw that it was like 106, what, what was it, 100, or no, 10,600 square feet of tile work done on the sides as you entered it, which was a big mosaic of California. And honestly, that was a piece of art, that mosaic that they had welcoming guests as they came in. But And they had another, another really wonderful piece was the Golden Zephyr. This was an actual physical train that used to bring, they, they had found it, they brought it into the park and you could see the, the engine of the train and then they kind of cleverly redid kind of the, the individual cars of the train to be kind of seating areas and step off areas into the gift shops. 
And uh, this was a beautiful train and very cool looking thing. And I, again, I've got pictures of all this. Um, but everything else just broke off from there. It, the gift shops on the side uh, were erratic. They just, they didn't have any continuity to it. Um, it felt very cold, felt very urban, felt very cement. There was very little in terms of trees or shade in this space. You had things like engineer toys, which I remember purchasing um, some of the first, I still have them, uh, some of, um, you had monorail components and toy elements. So some of the, uh, I actually purchased California Screamin' as a roller coaster. They actually, you could build a physical California Screamin' roller coaster and um, the Orange Stinger also I have still today. Um, so there were some cool toys in there. You had Burbank ice cream. Um, which, um, again, hearken to the fact that the company was from Burbank. Um, and all this led you to a place called Sunshine Plaza, which was kind of a dead end and f simply forced you to either go left toward Hollywoodland or right toward, um, uh, toward Golden State or, or toward Soren. Um, but in this place, in this dead end, was this very large disc. It was, um, uh, it was this big yellow sun with rings of rays around it. And it was supposed to shine forth and be, you know, the golden state. It was supposed to be the background of this postcard. So this whole, this whole front area of the park, think now Carthay Circle, all the way to the front was supposed to be this big postcard coming to life with the Golden Gate Bridge and the California letters and the mosaics on the side and the sun in the back. And they would actually even have these lights that moved with the sun during the day, or re, no, these reflectors that moved with the sun during the day that would reflect back light onto the, onto this disc, this sun disc, and cause it to, I mean, it's like, you you definitely needed sunglasses before you got very far into this park. It was it was a mess. It was just a mess of an entry area. I'm happy to say that the good news is in 2.0 they really they really came forward with a far better solution as they ultimately created Buena Vista Street, which all those California letters they went up to Sacramento to either the county or maybe the state. Um, state fair grounds because they that would be in Sacramento and um, uh, and in its place they put the Pan Pacific Auditorium entrance which looks identical to the one at the entrance to Disney's Hollywood Studios so if you're coming to DCA and you've been to the studios at Walt Disney World you're probably confused when you approach this go are we just going into Disney Hollywood Studios no it's very different from the entrance on you have a little town that looks like California in the 1920s. And all of it pays homage to Walt Disney at the time he came to, with a suitcase and a dream, with the idea of um, creating his, um, 
being successful in Hollywood, there is um, on one side Oswald's Service Station, uh, a play on Oswald the Lucky Rabbit who came before Mickey Mouse. In fact, Oswald shows up and does character appearances. On the other side of the street, you have Mortimer's Market. And of course, you know, Mortimer was the first name Walt came up with before Lily suggested Mickey. And so you have Oswald's on one side, Mortimer's on the other side. In the middle, you have the red car trolley. And it goes all the way down the street, turns around um, at the fountain, and then heads to Hollywoodland. Um, that is just a beautiful little A-ticket kind of experience, casual experience as you go down the street. Then you have stores that, and it's interesting because they actually took the physical facilities of the stores in 1.0 and then redid them with new facades that made it look like this, you know, this place in 19, this Hollywood of 1920s. And they have done, you would not recognize the two. They are totally, completely different. And you have Clarabelle, of course, Clarabelle the cow, hand-scooped ice cream instead of Burbank ice cream. You have your first Starbucks. In fact, the first Starbucks came 10 years ago, if I'm correct, it was, it was at Fiddler, Pfeiffer, and Practical um, Cafe, where um, where you first were able to get your your fill of Starbucks before you headed down the street. And then the most important, uh, I think, change and symbol of the 2.0 change is the Carthay Circle uh, Theater, Restaurant, and Lounge, which harkens back to the um, dedicate uh, the the premiere of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. This is one of my favorite Disney restaurants of all time. The restaurant is elegant. It is beautiful. There's inside seating, which has, which takes its cue from the backgrounds of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. You have outdoor seating, which overlooks um, the whole entrance of the park. It's just a Stunning, stunning restaurant. The lounge area is part of um, Club 33 and um, belongs to those, but there's also a, well, there's a lounge portion that, that's open to guests. And then there's kind of a restaurant lounge in the back there for Club 33. At any rate, the whole of it is probably, and the centerpiece is, by the way, a statue of Walt Disney um, with the suitcase and a dream along with Mickey alongside him, standing right in the middle of the street. 2.0 couldn't look better. And it really signaled a major investment. Now you think 1.1 billion spent on the revisal of this park. Can you imagine if they had just spent the 1.1 with whatever they spent earlier on the first version to have done it right? How amazing this park could have been from day one. But no, it was not meant to be. Now, once you got past this, if you went forward, you came on the left to what was known as Bountiful Family Farm. In the 1.0 version, in the original version, this was part of the whole Golden State, which just stretched out from this area to the Golden um, Vine Winery, onto Soren, onto the Rapids, and even onto um, Golden Dream and the um, San Francisco Street that's a little later on. Um, this is, but this little section, there's not a lot of pictures out there today. I've got some photos of it. 
um, it the the biggest part of it, which remained through until um, 3.0, and I'll talk about 3.0 in a moment, uh, was it's tough to be a bug. Uh, and I think it must have been probably one of the least seen uh, experiences at Disney California Adventure because the entrance, as you were heading toward Pixar Pier, going down that major thoroughfare, you had to kind of turn around and look to the left and behind to see the entrance to Tough to Be a Bug, which, you know, at, at Disney California Adventure is in the middle of the tree of life. Here, it's kind of behind a mural, and the entrance or cue to it is kind of interesting. I've got a photo of it at Disney at Play. If you recall the, the opening and closing scenes of Tough to Be a Bug, you remember that the whole thing plays out on this little sandbar next to a tree with a tree in the center and uh, kind of in the middle of a creek area. And what you do is you step into what is kind of the creek area and you see in the middle this tree and what would have been the actual setting for um, for its tough uh, for Bugs Life. But but at any rate, It's Tough to Be a Bug was the major attraction. Everything else was pretty pathetic, which is why it didn't last into the 2.0 version. Bountiful Valley, Water Farm, Play Area. <laughs> I can't even begin to describe how really uninteresting this was. But if you see the, the spider, she's in a garden that has been created out of rock and grass to kind of suggest a web. And behind it are these big pipes and barrels with water flowing. It was kind of a play area. It could not have been, and, and very little shade for what it was a farm. It could not be more uninteresting an area. There was a, a little kiosk, Santa Rose Seed and Supply that sold some garden-like uh, uh, things. And then Bountiful Valley's Farmer's Market did what kind of Mortimer's Market does today, kind of fresh fruits and produce. Uh, and it was a dead end right there. Uh, the 2.0 version, a couple of things happened not long after after the park opened. The um, Included in those things was the Tower of Terror was built at the end of Hollywood Land, and a Bugs Land was built, which created a whole pathway um, to the Tower of Terror and then circling back around through Hollywood Land. So you have kind of a continuous flow. The Bugs Land was very charming, very cute. And I think if it could have, it should have stayed if it could have been um, put somewhere else. It had very small carnival-like rides to them, some of which you didn't really feel like, unless you had a child, you, it was kind of creepy being there. But you had Francis uh, Ladybug Boogie, um, which is not too unlike an earlier version of Mater's Junkyard Jamboree. You had Flix Flyers, which was a spinner type ride. You had Tuck and Rolls Driving Buggies, which was basically, um, uh, what do you call it when you get, uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank there, but it's, um, it's uh, where you bang into each other in different cars. And uh, Princess Dot Puddle Park, which, uh, the whole of it was the whole of it was completely shaded by clover and you had all these um, three leaf clovers throughout the whole thing and then in the middle of it was this little water play area the puddle park which 
um, I don't know, may have been made out of the of the puddle of the water thing that that was originally in the Bountiful Farm water play area. At any rate, um, there was one three-leaf clover that was a four-leaf clover. If you can find it, that was kind of the lucky clover. And that was uh, quite nearby. Um, then you had, uh, finally, Heimlich's choo-choo train. And you could just <laughs> imagine what all that was about. It just a little choo-choo train. It did not go on a very long track. You kind of smelled some of the food as you went along, and Choo-Choo would talk in his little German voice. It was pretty weird. I think one of the trains resides at, at uh, the Pixar Studios up north today. That was that was the um, 2.0 version. And what happened is they took half of Bountiful Family Farm and made it into Bugsland. Then they took the other half and made it the road that led to Carsland. And Carsland ultimate, and this became the official part 2.0. So Tower of Terror and Bugsland actually were 1.5, and 2.0, which was part of that was dedicated 10 years ago, included uh, this Route 66 um, uh, Radiator Springs recreation, incredibly beautiful at night with the amazing Radiator Springs Racers attraction, probably one of the best thrill rides out there. Mater's Junkyard Jamboree, Luigi's Rollican Roadsters, uh, Flo's Vieille Cafe, one of my favorite uh, casual dining places at Disney Cal California Adventure, and the Cozy Cone Motel with its uh, lots of different snacks and everything. That became the 2.0 version that, um, that premiered. Um, that became the 2.0 version that premiered 10 years ago. Since then, the 3.0 version has removed Bugs Land, has connected to Tower of Terror, which has now become Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, and has created an Avengers campus. So it's tough to be a bug, went away. Essentially, that area became the Spider-Man attraction of um, the Web Slingers, a Spider-Man attraction. And, uh, and the whole of it has become Avengers Campus, which is very cool. That's the 3.0 version of this. Um, but you can see it's a long way. As you look at these photos and you hear these descriptions, it's a long way from what the 1.0 version originally was. Let's go on to Paradise Pier and Bay. This 1.0 version um, also went through a 2.0 version and then a 3.0 version. We'll talk about the 1.0 version first. Probably one of the most successful attractions was a pretty simple one, a, a roller coaster called California Screamin', which had an amazing carnival rock and roll soundtrack to it, and it was embedded in the seats. It was it had a 360 loop to it. Uh, it was a great ride from day one. Continues to be there in a different, uh, different name and theme, but it it's... Its bones have been solid since one since the original opening of Disney California Adventure. Originally, there was a restaurant called Avalon Cove by Wolfgang Puck. Wolfgang Puck was one of the original sponsors. When the um, park became um, 
Mondavi and Wolfgang Puck were original sponsors. And when the park went south after opening, both of these vendors were very unhappy with Disney um, about the promises that were made on attendance and how they failed to, to show up. Um, Avalon Cove in a 1.5 became Ariel's, um, but it began as what was referred to as Avalon Cove. King Triton's Carousel uh, was there, which had beautiful um, sea creatures as horses. The Sun Wheel, which is the Ferris wheel, the big grand Ferris wheel, but had a big sun in the middle of it. Male Boomer. And this was a curiosity because I, you would have thought that they were already thinking of Tower of Terror at the time of opening of, of Disney California Adventure, but they already on the opposite corner of this park had basically one of these, you know, th throw you up in the air and drop you down and, and all sorts of variations on that theme. And, and it was called the Mail Boomer. Uh, or actually it was called, I'm sorry, it was called the Malaboomer, wasn't it? As in Malibu. I apologize for that. I, I think it became a misspelling as I went through. Um, but uh, yes, Daredevils on the Malaboomer catapult to a peak of 180 feet in under three seconds. Provided a great uh, view of everything um, around you, but uh, still, let's not pretend. It was it was awfully carnival looking. And by the way, people were throwing, you talk about people throwing up on Guardians of the Galaxy, Cosmic Rewind, well, guess what? They were throwing up on that and they had created these plastic, <laughs> uh, plastic troughs that sat down, I guess you pulled the arm over you and these plastic troughs came down with it in case you chose to throw up, in which case you just threw up in these little plastic troughs. That's how bad that attraction was. So you had the infamous Orange Stinger, which was a swing ride, but it was encased in, and they, but they were little bees and they were encased in this um, near completed orange. Massive, massive orange. Of course, orange and Orange County and California, that all goes together. But at any rate, that was the Orange Stinger. You had restaurants like the Pizza Umawa. <laughs> I can't make these up. Had a had a very um, uh, beachy kind of theme to it. And then you had Burger Invasion, which came at the time that Disney got um, really involved with McDonald's. And that was a McDonald's restaurant promising McDonald's fries. And that was, uh, that was Burger Invasion. It was the McDonald's restaurant in that, um, in that park. You had Mulholland Madness, which is that mouse um, a style ride um, that sat in the corner. He had a little play area called SS Rustworthy that my children really quite enjoyed. I thought I thought it should have continued. It's disappointing that it didn't continue because I thought that was a beautiful little piece of theming. You had a massive Dinosaur Jack sunglass shack with the dinosaur in it. And then finally you had this, um, which actually was part of, technically part of um, Golden State, which was Golden Dreams. And it took place in the area where we'll talk about the Little Mermaid in a minute. But this was a film. This was, think about the American adventure, only you don't have any audio animatronics. You only have a film 
And it's all about California, not about the United States. That's what this was. The history of California narrated by Whoopi Goldberg, who came to life as Kali or Caliph, um, the goddess of California, I guess. At any rate, she, her, they had these busts of her head on both sides of the theater and she, and they projected her face on it. It's, it was as bad as it sounds. Um, Khalifa, I think was her name as the god i i just it's hard to it's not uh it's hard to not laugh um when you when you think of these concepts and yet actually as bad as the whole idea was with her being the goddess of california um the movie was actually an amazing movie and really played out some poignant scenes. I think it's a miss that the film is no longer there. And honestly, I think they ought to take something, um, some small venue, uh, such as the um, one in um, uh, next to the Golden Vine uh, winery, which um, I guess it's become a DVC place. No, it hasn't. It was it was a preview. Uh, the it was the Walt Disney Imagineering Blue Sky Cellar place is what it is. I think they should take that and play that movie there. It was a great movie. It was beautifully done, thoughtfully done. It really showed um, the the people of California and, and how they you know came together in this state. It's just it's a great little film. And actually, the th one thing that my very civic-minded son, Cameron, actually remi remembers of going there the first year that we went to Disney California. However, it was one of the first things to go away because uh, two things came as the very f as this 2.0 change came. A couple of things came in play. Toy Story Midway Mania premiered um, in the 2.0 version. And so did The Little Mermaid. It took over the entire footprint of that area. And it's the same ride and attraction as you find at the Magic Kingdom. Um, it, it's essentially the same for all intents and purposes. But those two kind of became a, a big part of the 2.0 change. They took the uh, orange stinger and made it the silly symphony swings again theming it back to mickey mouse he's on top of it kind of it's that wind uh whirlwind that comes and you're played out by swinging through that whirlwind a goofy sky school took over mulholland madness so you have a slightly goofy theme and slight some slight retheming but very little it's still an attraction in my opinion ought to go away the pizza place and the McDonald's place, they, this was probably one of the best things that came out of the 2.0. They became the boardwalk pizza and pasta and the Paradise Garden Grill. And with it, these beautiful shaded gardens with a little bandstand that would play. It's so, it's such a beautiful, nice corner of the park to be in. And then added to that, the Piste de la Resistance, which was probably the thing that signaled the big changes that were coming in terms of of um, eventually Buena Vista Street and California, or I mean uh, Cars Land, was World of Color. They took the entire uh, pond, lake in the middle, 
and they created the most amazing fountain show that has ever been created. Most colorful thing. If you have never seen that, it is really, truly one of Disney Entertainment's best uh, experiences. Very unique um, and beautiful. Just simply beautiful with Disney music all through it. It's just a wonderful show. And that became 2.0 of Paradise Pier. Now, what happened is a 3.0 came later. It became known as Pixar Pier. And now instead of the um, California Screaming, we have Incredicoaster, which is okay. I mean, the coaster was the thing on it. The theming is okay. Do it at night. It's even better. There's some clever things. Go grab a Jack-Jack cookie num-nums afterwards. If you've had one of those at Disney's Hollywood Studios, they came out of a little kiosk there, uh, originally the idea. The King Tritons became Jesse's Critter Carousel that kind of played into the Midway Mania next to it, kind of created a complete uh, theme there. Pixar Pal, uh, Pal Around is basically the carousel re-themed uh, in that regard. Um, they took Flick's Flyers and they moved it over to where the um, Maliboomer was. And they've called it Inside Out Emotional Whirlwind. Another really, I think this part of the park is just the, the best time to experience it is at night because the lights are on and it's, it's just a nighttime pier and it's really lovely. I'll also mention two, uh, one of the best gift shops is Nick's Knacks, which is not only all things Pixar, but it really is kind of their art gallery and for more high-end collectibles in the Pixar world. Very classy, very fun shop, very clever shop. Um, you check that out, if nothing else, to walk through it. And then what was, again, um, Wolfgang Puck's Avalon Cove became Mermaid Cove or whatever, Ariel's. Um, became the Lamplight Lounge. Again, themed to the people who created animation for Pixar has some really wonderful uh, um, touches in it and pieces that, that harken back to different Pixar films over the years. A lot of memorabilia you and, and a great food and a great view if you're, if you're looking out over the pier catch it during World of Color. Well, I can tell you the 2.0 and the 3.0 versions of Disney California Adventure, thank goodness they are here because the 1.0 was, was really sad. Not to say that there weren't good things in the 1.0. We got Soren in the 1.0. Uh, the, the whole, um, uh, animation attraction with its, scenes in it in Hollywoodland. We got Incredicoaster. Well, there were some really great pieces, but it wasn't a whole until 2.0 came along. And uh, now it is just with, with Radiator Springs, with Pixar Pier, with, um, with Buena Vista Street. The whole thing feels much more connected and continued. And, oh, it's just, it's, it's just a joy to be at Disney California Adventure because there's so much to see and do and Adventures Campus, can't forget that. Really, it has come unto its own as being its own unique creature. 
even though it stands outside the gates of one of, well, if not the greatest theme park of them all, Disneyland. Well, that does it for this Disney at Play podcast. Again, thanks for joining us. Again, make sure you check out the Wayfinder Society Patreon group. We got a link as you go to DisneyAtPlay.com. You can check that out. We'll also leave a link on uh, the show notes. And uh, again, thanks for being a part. Make sure you check out the podcast on Thursday. We've got a great podcast. We're going to surprise you on that one. And it's going to be fun. So check it out on Thursday. Um, you know, great, most of the great podcasts come from Monday to Wednesday. So Thursday, you're always looking for, well, to this Thursday, it's going to deliver. So make sure you check it out. We're excited to show it to you. And again, as always, in the words of Sinbad, storybook of tales in Tokyo Disney Sea, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon. Bye.